This is exactly right. This one, air guitar. Hello, hi, and welcome to my favorite murder. This is your uh, comedy true crime podcast that you check in with weekly. Yeah, just to see how how you doing. Just see how we doing. How, hey, hey, how we doing? Here's here's one way we're doing right now. I have an a imported Australian cookie in my hand. Fuck yeah, you do. Um, a good friend of ours, <laughs> name insert name here later. <laughs> Sent us a box of Australian candy and cookies. Yeah. And to that person, name to be inserted later. It's the gal who made us those candy hearts. Stephen, what's her name? <gasps> Jess. Jess, what's her? Uh, something by Vintage. Shit. Shit. Fuck. Pause. Uh, no, wait. I, um... She sent us a bunch of Australian candies and cookies, and we're eating, guys, from in America. I didn't know this till we went to Australia. There's this thing that they fucking have called hundreds and thousands. It's just sprinkles it's on sprinkles. everything. It and actually, it's you know, it's, it's kind of like a cookie, an Australian cookie version of a Pop-Tart. Yes! It's a Pop-Tart feel. No jam. No, no, nothing in the middle. It's just kind of like dry and flaky with pink. And uh, sprinkles on top, yeah. but then for some reason, it's the best cookie. Yeah. For the love of vintage. Yes. We did an unboxing and she sent us a bunch of cute of her, um, what is it called? Crafts. And then <laughs> a bunch of candy too, which is just the way to get our attention for sure. Um, yeah. So we've been eating. We're here in the office. <laughs> yeah. We're at the exactly right offices right now. That's right. We, uh, we unboxed that. That unboxed box was sitting in the office kitchen. So we've just been slowly all day long. Eating <laughs> Tim Tams and hundreds and thousands. You can see that unboxing video. Hey, we we never plug the fan cult. <laughs> Are we embarrassed to plug the fan cult? Are we embarrassing? <laughs> yes. Ourselves. We have a fan cult. If you go to myfavoritemurder.com, you can join. You get a fucking exclusive t-shirt and pen. We're about to, we're now going to do, a, for every live show, we're going to do a two-ticket giveaway. Yes. Now. But That's we put very exciting. unboxing videos of like gifts people fucking send us once a week too. Yeah. And those, that uh, ticket giveaway starts at the San Diego shows for this weekend. Right. So if you're in uh, the San Diego area, you belong to the fan cult or and you want to join it. that you didn't get tickets. Get on there and you can enter to win two tickets to yeah. one of the two shows that we're doing That's in San right. Diego. And we come out of this off stage and hug you right in the audience. <laughs> 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 oh, we didn't, I didn't tell you that, but that's part of it. That's written in the fine print. Yeah, Karen has to hug yeah. you. I'll fucking dive right into that. <laughs> Remember that live show? It was very, it's the first tour when I left the stage and went in to, went and yelled at the girl in the audience. Yes. Wagley. Was I drinking at shows then still? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I All I know is that once I was out there, I was like, oh, I should not have just walked away and left her alone. That's right. I was like, huh. We were, uh, it was because we were giving someone shit for going to the bathroom. That's Like right. not being there when we called on them. Oh, you were going to go sit in her seat. Yes. <laughs> and only when I got Until to her seat back. did I realize what a bad plan and how I didn't really think it through. Let's do it at every show this tour. Guys, what we're saying is these live shows are unpredictable. Unpredictable. They'll be, th they'll be this. They'll be that. We're out there with you. We're up here with ourselves. We're here. We're there. We're everywhere. Uh, uh, oh, do you have a thing? Uh, <laughs> thanks for asking. I have a pressing <laughs> corrections quarter. That, here's what's cool about this part. Uh, I don't... Let's not... 
paint ourselves into intellectual corners where we Never. start doubting every goddamn fucking word we say. Never. Especially since we have listeners and friends out there. Um, this person we met when we were at the Vancouver show. Um, her name is Yukari. And she told us when we met her in the meet and greet that she translates this podcast for Japanese listeners Amazing. and people who only speak Japanese, which we were like, what? How? <laughs> Why? Why? <laughs> really? Are there enough people? Is that- this a thing? <laughs> really? It was really fun, exciting. She was super cool to talk to. And luckily, with all the kindness in her heart, I'm assuming, she checked in the morning after uh, the last episode we did to let me know that I had mistermed something. It was her and like a bunch of anime dudes that were stoked. <laughs> correct you. <laughs> we're like i uh was talking about the thing that uh there's a japanese term for when your iris doesn't touch the bottom lid yeah and i said it was called seppuku and you know what here's and i went yeah because you said it this just shows me what a follower i am not that i would have known either way but I, you said it with such confidence i was like wow i can't believe karen knows that that's so impressive and you just like you you had it you didn't even like pause yeah it was amazing and this is thanks for pointing that out this is the problem area <laughs> because when i see moment my brain collects information like that and files it away mm-hmm. you should see me play jeopardy at oh, home my god i bet you're amazing mind-blowing but <laughs> but when we record our conversations and every single thing needs to be right it's absolutely not does it well so seppuku the thing that i called the whites of the eyes mm-hmm. is actually another word for Harakiri, which yeah. is the way uh, when you have an honor suicide in Japan and you run a sword through your own stomach uh-uh. while on your knees. And then I believe twisting. No. It, I think that's where that um, twisting the knife saying oh. comes from. But that absolutely. And uh, Yukari, please let me know how wrong I am. That could be wrong. But <laughs> no, we're just fucking. We can't stop. <laughs> we, we're saying that I we shouldn't do it. Stop. And yeah. then we just won't fucking stop. I won't stop. Um the real term I should have used was Sampaku. Oh. Um, this is the message, the very lovely message. Hi, Karen Kilgariff. Just listened to the latest MFM. Uh, Sapuku is Japanese suicide ritual. Oh. What you meant was um, Sampuku, mm-hmm. but, but she actually spelled that Sampuku-gan, mm-hmm. which literally means three white eye. Um, because there's that means there's three spaces around your iris to the right, to the left, and on the bottom, and there should only be the it's, two. This is the new five head. Nice. <laughs> exactly. This is the new because we need my a number. Two head. Your yeah, two head. I have a two teeny, head. Teeny tiny two head. Um, she also said it's not good in physiognomy. 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 Okay. Anyway, Yukari, thank you so much for <laughs> kindly pointing that out. Um, and everybody, could we just please all start using correct terms, Japanese terms all the time? Let's please. We're offending the Japanese pu- God. public. Damn it. That are listening to this in Japanese. Oh, can I? It well, seems I, like I, have- I should probably ritually commit suicide <laughs> because I have shamed my ancestors by being so wrong. Speaking of shame, can we have what will probably is the first and will probably be the only I was fucking right? Georgia, to- Georgia told you so. Sure. Moment. When we wrapped <laughs> last week and we had recorded, we had recorded, we had recorded, uh, what are they called? Ads. An episode and oh. ads. And I turned to you and Steven and I said, Karen, I think you said penis instead of products. Was that it? I don't remember. Do you remember? Uh, pieces, pieces of furniture. I swear you said 
penises of furniture. And <laughs> and you're both like, no, I don't even hear that. Both Stephen and I were like, yeah, we don't. But know now I've said the word about. penis more times than anyone on this podcast. Before. Required for the story. Yeah. Not your problem. Shouldn't but that, told, but then told it. we got tweets from people yep. and then Georgia was like, I fucking told you. <laughs> but I honestly, of course, I didn't hear it because I'm the misspeaker. I think I know what I said. And then Stephen was just like, no. Yeah, if you both agreed, I was like, well, then I'm, I'm wrong. You're but, outnumbered. Yeah. There's I, nothing you can do. I thought it was like a Laurel and Yanny situation. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I heard pieces of furniture. Laurel and penis. <laughs> what? Well, now we've said penis more times than necessary. <laughs> so... That's the so last. I hope you've all learned your lesson. Georgia shouldn't do that. <laughs> uh, what else? Do you want to hear a cool email? Ah, this always. is rad. We went on at length uh-huh. last week talking about Lucky Luciano, the gangster, and of course, the beautiful actor that played him on Boardwalk Empire. Right. Then we got this email. Subject line, Lucky Luciano was brought down by a rad as fuck black female prosecutor. Yes. Uh, did you ever know like, or hear anything about no. this? No. Of course not. Guys. They don't teach this in fucking they in don't. public fucking school. This is the shit that like goes unspoken and then everyone's like, it, it, it's maddening to me. Okay. Love your podcast. You, the cats, dogs, the vents, etc. I was listening to your recent ep that talked about Lucky Luciano and thought you'd love to know that, three, that the three-piece suit motherfucker was brought down exclusively because of a rad as fuck woman. Eunice Carter was the granddaughter of slaves, a cum laude graduate of Smith College and Fordham University, and she is intensely not here for any bullshit. <laughs> she was one of New York's first female African-American lawyers and one of the first prosecutors of color in the United States. She worked for Thomas Dewey, a special prosecutor in the 1930s, to take on the mob in New York City. He hired 20 lawyers, 19 white men, and Eunice Carter. Fuck yeah. As a team, they mostly focus on loan sharking and kidnapping and murder, but they toss Eunice the sex work stuff to cover because, you know, woman. Eunice, being sharp, the sharp tack she is, noticed that women arrested for prostitution from all over New York City were represented by the same lawyers and bail bondsmen, and those agents had relationships with Lucky. Hmm. She established that the sex workers were required to kick back half their earnings mm-hmm. to crime bosses in exchange for legal representation and Lucky was profiting from the prostitution. She was the only assistant on Dewey's team who ever connected him with any crime and is the reason he was sent to prison. Holy shit. Her grandson wrote a book about her called Invisible, and I highly recommend it to every living person. Yes, that's our new fucking book club. Right? Yeah, let's all read Invisible. That's cool. Stay sexy and don't mess with women because they are smart as hell. Julia in Seattle. (laughs) Julia, thank you for fucking sending that. That is, I'm so happy to know that. And I love that. I love knowing that. Such a good little piece of info. Um, Let's all get Uh the book Invisible and give ourselves a a couple weeks. (laughs) Can I listen to it? I have to listen to it. Okay, great. Yeah. And then let's have a, a convo and you guys join us yeah. in and buying the book Invisible. What that means is like with Sweet Audrina, we'll never talk about it again. <laughs> no, we absolutely will. We bailed on Sweet Audrina because we were like, it oh, was creeping us out. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. We're like, oh, I was a kid and this turned me on. Yeah. We should get out of here. I think we were having shame spiral feelings yeah. around that book. And we didn't want to like shit on, you know, the author. We did, It was like a whole thing where we just went. opening. Yeah. Ooh. You're like, oh, that's why I'm into that porn. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I'm into attic porn. That explains everything. Yeah. <laughs> attic porn. <laughs> that's why you trip over the word attic. Attic. Um, that's it? 
I, that's it for me. Business-wise. I don't think I have anything. Listen, no business whatsoever. We're about to start our fucking tour tomorrow in San Diego. <laughs> Did you say San Diego? Yeah, my Did you say San Penis? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's unbelievable because it honestly feels like the winter tour just ended two days ago. It does. And the, what they're calling the spring tour, right. which is like, it's fucking January yeah. 10th, friends. We had like our merch company draw us up the poster or like whatever. And we, we approved it because we were like, it looks great. And it was all snowy and shit. <laughs> yeah. And then we we're like, wait a second. The people who get this in May are going to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> they're going to be like, um, thanks for this snow, the snow drift pines. Yeah. I'll hold on to it till winter. What's happening with your spring tour, guys? Right. Way to go. But we're very excited uh, to be out um, uh, visiting you and seeing you again. It's very, it is exciting. We complain so much. Oh, we're great at it. And at the end of this tour, our fucking book comes out. Yeah. Of all things. Yes. It's very exciting. I'm really nervous. I've been giving, we've gotten some like advanced partial copies and I've yeah. been giving them to trusted, a couple trusted friends yes. and saying, just tell me. The yeah. truth, everything. Yeah. And then one of them, like, did Crystal didn't... I thought she read it right away and just didn't text me about yeah. it. You know, that thing of, <laughs> well, I'm just going to say nothing. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Turns out she's busy and has a life. And right. And ready yet when she did. She yeah, she me. probably didn't, like, take it and sit home immediately Well, sit that's down. what I was hoping for. I know. I know. It's very... Uh, Listen, this is that Look. thing. It, <laughs> this is that thing of, like, this is why unless somebody... I don't listen to criticism from anyone unless they have put their own ass on the line and put their actual Ooh. creativity out there because it is the hardest thing to do to make something that is of your own. <gasps> that's a really good rule. And put it out. Yeah. And that's why, like, people can tell you, I hate this. I think whatever. But it's your vulnerability that they're, re they're reading about, which is so easy to, cur like, to criticize it. Well, and also, if they've never done the same, I mean, this right. is straight out of Daring Greatly by Brene Brown, sure. but... If they've never done the same, their opinion can't count because yeah. they don't know what it means. That's right. So, like, we we wrote a double memoir <laughs> where we dredge up every stupid fucking thing we've ever done. Truly. And try to make it entertaining. Yeah. And then we, I, like, I didn't even think about it until people started telling us, oh, I got the advance. And right. I like it or whatever, where I was like, oh, fuck, I forgot that's public. Yeah. And so that's now it. we're just stuck in that feeling. <laughs> well, that's a good point. And I gave my, you know, Kat Solon, who's designed some of our awesome merch. And she also has a TV show on um, Adult Swim called The Shivering Truth. So she fucking puts herself out all the time. Yes. And she read it and said she started crying three times already. So I'm like, oh, great. God bless her. Yes. God bless That's her. That's all we want is for you to fucking whimper and bawl in a, into the book. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, yeah, it's creepy. I yeah. think when we did it, we just, I certainly was not thinking about no, the actual you thinking end about result. deadlines. Yes. So you poured it all out. Here's and then your like, homework, motherfucker. And then you think you're going to walk away and never look, never see it again. And then you're like, oh, this again. Yeah. Great. Right. Here we go. Um, that was vulnerability corner. Uh, corner, 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 corner. Um, I'm first. You're first. Thank God. I've only had a half a can of wine <laughs> i'm gonna bucket uh bust right into another hundreds and thousands <laughs> get in there because the big tours coming up yeah because <laughs> you know how much people love eating on microphone <laughs> um this is the murder of susan tarowskowitz okay great. great she goes by sue that's what we're gonna call her okay great here she is it's 1992 Sue is uh, 27 years old. She works for the Northwest Airlines Boston Logan International Airport. Mm -hmm. So Northwest Airlines used to be an airline. 
I'm assuming. It, it was. I used to fly on it. <laughs> Did you? Also, I believe Boston Logan Airport is pronounced Worcester. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm not incorrect with that. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. So, um, Sue is this lovely all-American gal. She graduates high school in Saugus, Massachusetts. Fucking down-home Massachusetts gal. She becomes a reserve firefighter. Uh, and then she gets a job at the airlines. And within five years, she works her way up from cleaning airplane cabins to becoming the first woman in the history of the company to hold the position of a ramp supervisor. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and like, like me, you're like, what the fuck is a ramp supervisor? It sounds is it, great. Is it those ramp, like she connects the plane to the walkway? I wrote it down. Okay. I wrote, what is that job? Supervise and coordinate the activities of ground crew. Oh. In the loading. So she's fucking supervising everyone in the loading, unloading, securing, and staging of aircraft, cargo, or baggage. Whoa. And she, um, it also like has to do with like gravity. Like you, I didn't know this. You don't just fucking throw suitcases on. It's like the heavy ones go here, this goes here, or else the plane's going to fucking crash. <laughs> so she's the supervisor of all the people doing that. Yeah. She must be great at Tetris. Oh, shit. She's just like, oh, hold that one there. All yeah. right. Get that L-shaped one over here. Right. The one full of chickens, put it in the back. <laughs> That's just a plain square. That's fine. <laughs> that can go anywhere. So she's the she is the first fucking woman to hold this job. So awesome, amazing, and she's also the only the second ever female ground service employee working for the airline ever. So she's already fucking breaking glass. It's so funny times. because it's also recent. It's we're not talking about the seventies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Sue obviously is super hardworking. She's like twenty seven when she fucking accomplishes this she's super hardworking. she's intelligent she has a big heart she's got a ton of chutzpah um she's a pretty brunette tall and slim but feisty she once jumped in to break up a fight between uh two male colleagues so she's like not fucking around no she's fine so one of the perks of her job uh just a little bit about her was meeting famous people because they were getting on the plane and she had an autograph book who she would have the famous people sign which is like the most pure-hearted thing i've ever heard of in my life Right? When I used to do that, have autograph books. Yes, because it's usually you had one as a kid. Yeah. I totally had one. Yeah. Um, nobody signed it ever. Well, who would? <laughs> well, yeah, would in Irvine? <laughs> Look, it's the mayor of Irvine. <laughs> hey, everybody. <laughs> then you just start getting your friends to sign yeah. it. You're like, can we just fill this thing up? Yeah. Yes. And my dreams were crushed. <laughs> um, so Sue's dream was to be a cartoonist, but everyone was like, it's really hard to do that. But she was obsessed with peanuts and had even the met best. Charles Schultz once. All-American woman, tons of ambition. And by 27 years old, already paying off. Uh, but this is called the murder of Sue Tarautskowitz. So it doesn't go well. So uh, on September 12th, 1992, Sue's working her graveyard shift 11 p.m. to 7 fucking a.m. Mm-hmm. You know, in the freezing cold Boston air. Um, around 1 a.m., she leaves the airport to pick up sandwiches at a nearby sandwich shop for the crew. This is an Unsolved Mysteries, by the way. Have you oh, seen wow. It? Yeah. Uh, she never comes back to work after she goes to get sandwiches, and no one ever reports her missing. And in fact, the really weird thing is her time card reflects that she clocked out at the end of her shift that night and clocked in the next morning. Okay, so there's an inside element to this. Yep, but the reality is Sue was missing as of her sandwich run. So, because of this this time card forging, 
She's not officially reported missing for 36 hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, when her parents finally realize that she's missing, they go to the police station on the morning of September 14th. It's Monday morning, only to be told that their daughter's body had just been found. Oh, no. I know. And her parents are like, her mom's amazing. Sue's blue Toyota Tercel had been found early that morning, Monday morning, parked at an auto body shop in Revere, which is about four miles from the airport. Mm-hmm. And the shop had been closed on Sunday the day before. So when they got to work that morning, someone noticed that uh, blood was dripping from the trunk of a car. I know. And called the police. It's so awful. When police arrived, they opened Sue's trunk and found her body inside. In her own car. In her own car. Mm -hmm. She had been badly beaten and then stabbed multiple times. Awful. Obviously... Okay, so obviously her fucking... One of her coworkers or someone had fudged her time card. But why? Like... I'm sure you did that the before, right? Your friend's like, I'm running uh, late. Never. <laughs> um, I mean, can you, can you go and blur or bleep the, yes, bleep the, please. bleep that accusation. Bleep the place I just mentioned you worked at. Oh yeah. Like people covering for you yeah. or going like, yeah, I don't, can you make sure I, it doesn't look like I'm 10 minutes late. Right. Or I'm leaving three hours early. <laughs> can you clock me out when you leave? Right. But that's like for people like working menial jobs that you don't care about. Not right. for people who've worked their way up. And certainly not for the boss. I mean, if she's right. in charge of everybody. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not, doesn't seem like a request she would make or request, you know, whatever. So, but it wasn't her, her, her mother, her parents, her mother's name is Marlene. They weren't even thinking about that question because there was no sign of robbery or rape. So the family was just led to believe that Sue was the victim of a random crime. So they didn't even consider the time card. Mm. Um, and her mother, Marlene, lovely fucking woman, she believes all that until late 1993. So a year later. Um, so Sue's mother is going through her daughter's old room and discovers Sue's diary. Oh, oh shit. Mm-hmm. Marlene is fucking surprised to read Sue's detailed accounts of the rampant sexual harassment that she had been enduring at work leading up to her murder. Oh no. Marlene reads how, and of course Marlene, I mean, of course Sue didn't want to worry her family and worry her parents about it. So she just wrote it in her diary. Her mom had no fucking clue about any of this. Right. Marlene reads how Sue's male coworkers and underlings had held a campaign of harassment against her. They spray painted obscene graffiti about her on cold cargo holds and employee bathrooms. And they had vandalized her car. She frequently complained uh, with the management or like filed complaints with the management at Northwest Airlines and her union. But of course, it's fucking 92. And even now, very little is done. Mm -hmm. Um, When Sue continues to launch camp uh, complaints, she started getting anonymous threatening phone calls in the middle of the night. Yeah. Um, And this is before she's promoted to ramp supervisor. The... Job originally went to another male employee, and it turned out that he had uh, illegally bid on the position. <laughs> so when she filed a grievance to her union about it and won, uh, and so this guy got fucking fired from the job, she, the harassment, of course, got worse. Yeah. And to the point where Sue discovered a drawing of a coffin with her name on it scrawled inside her locker. Wow. Isn't this awful? Yeah. But also, I think it's just goes to show people like to dismiss sexual harassment as like, oh, well, you can't hang with the boys or you can't this or that. But oftentimes, and I've said this to people, I read this, it was worded really well in an article I read once, but it's basically like trying to say to regular guys, 
you need to notice the dudes that incite this shit yeah. because those aren't normal brains. If there's a person who's like, let's go get her. Yeah. There needs to be action by the dudes that are in the group, but don't feel that way. Right. Because they're under their own kind of peer pressure to go along and exactly. get along. Even if it's not like, let's get her. If a guy, you know, if he remarks on her ass or something, it's like even without her hearing, it's that I don't talk like that. And yes. I don't, you know. That's not or how just how about shut the fuck up yeah. every once in a while. Right. But, but sometimes if those pressures or those groups are too intense, then then people go, start going along. Uh, it's making me think about that um, Charlize Theron uh, coal mining movie. Oh, Did you ever, yeah. It's unbelievable. It's basically it's similar, but it's yeah. not murder. But yeah, it's just that idea of like boys when you're in a boys club, how those boys clubs can go insane if there's a woman in the mix right. they go insane they they yeah it's really horrible and it's just you know another example of how being a woman is a threat mm-hmm. in, to your life and to your livelihood it's just being a woman nothing more than that and and also having ambition and god forbid yeah. totally yeah fucking breaking up the boys club yeah and so in her diary sue names names of who her harassers were okay thank so, god i know yeah so changing the fucking changing gears switching gears it turns out that the month before sue's murder several northwest baggage handlers had been subpoenaed to testify before the federal grand jury because they were investing the theft of hundreds of credit cards that had been shipped on northwest airlines flights to boston and then fucking stolen so someone at boston when the when the credit cards got in there on the plane had stolen those credit cards Mm mm-hmm and the credit cards were being used to buy jewelry and get cash advances in casinos and racetracks in Las Vegas, Atlantic City. Um, was it Donald Trump? <laughs> Those are all his spots. Probably. Well, it says, this is, I didn't notice this before. It says Las Vegas, Atlantic City, and Foxwoods in Connecticut. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Foxwoods is a casino. Is and it? a lot of comics do uh, shows oh. there. So if you live near Is it like Foxwoods, Dirty Dancing? You know, like, <laughs> I have no idea. All I know is that I hear comics going like, oh, I'm going to play Foxwoods. I'm doing Foxwoods. And okay. it's apparently a cool gig. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. That's where I'm vacationing this summer. <laughs> get, get up there. <laughs> um, they ended up netting, whoever stole it, ended up netting over $7 million. Jesus. Uh, uh-huh. Wow. And that's 90s money. That's 90s money, which now we know is worth $31 billion. Dollars. Uh, um, <laughs> so the Secret Service, the FBI, and of course, you know, the fucking superheroes of the world, the U.S. Postal Inspection Service. Yes. Were involved in the investigation. And it turns out that some of the fucking very baggage handlers that Sue names as harassers in her diary are indicted on those stolen credit card charges. Okay. How does that connect? Let's find out. Right now. Right now. The ringleader, he's described in court as the initiator at Northwest, was a dude named Joseph. In 1989, before her murder, obviously, Sue had filed a complaint and got him fired for six months, which doesn't seem like a punishment. Well, that's not being fired if he came back to the job after six months. He was suspended. That's exactly right. (laughs) Just like your mug says. That's. (laughs) So he retaliated with some of the worst harassment against her. Um, he's fired again when the subpoenas are handed down in the credit card theft cases in August 1992 and reportedly told people he thought, listen, all of this is alleged. Can I, do I, can I just blanket that now? Oh, oh, I thought you were saying that's what he said. No, no, no. <laughs> Look, guys, this is alleged. <laughs> alleged. No, everything I'm saying about him 
he hasn't been charged with any crimes. Okay. Well, the credit that's card important. shit he has. Yeah. That's important. But this, he was, the credit card stuff was real. Yes. Okay. The, it, that's all real, but the, the, here we go. Okay. Uh, he told people he thought Sue was a snitch who ratted them out to the authorities. So he thought she was the snitch for the credit card shit. Oh. In reality, Sue actually had no involvement in this whole thing and had never been asked to assist the investigation. But of course, they didn't know that or didn't believe that. Um, so over the next few years, 30, well, 37 people, including 10 Northwest baggage handlers, are convicted on federal charges of participating in the stolen credit card ring. So 10 of those people that Sue was being harassed by are fucking part of this credit card ring that they think she's fucking snitching on yeah. and then gets murdered. Okay. Another baggage handler mentioned in Sue's diary is Robert, who she had a brief affair with. And after that affair ended, Robert started getting super hostile towards Sue and threatening her new boyfriend and Sue. And when the subpoenas are handed down for the credit card theft, he gets the fuck out of there and transfers to an airport out of state. And uh, then he just gets probation because he testifies. He got a three-year prison sentence for that credit card bullshit. Okay. So as for the night of Sue's murder... They're like, maybe this is connected, the authorities think. So this dude, Robert, is questioned about his whereabouts that night. And he's like, yo, I was at that out-of-state airport that I work at, working at the airport. And I had no contact, didn't talk to him at all. But years later, he's indicted on three counts of perjury and two counts of obstruction of justice after they found out that they find his time cards and prove and phone records and prove that he's not working that night and another point is before she left for the sandwich run around 1 a.m sue had received a telephone call at work from an unidentified person who wanted to meet her supposedly Uh so like someone luring her out right so robert is convicted of obstruction of justice for lying to a federal grand jury that was investigating sue's death he admitted he lied to his whereabouts the weekend of her death and he was sentenced to 18 months in prison and then, of course, a federal appeals court, appeals court ruling in Rob's case reveals that in 1998, the investigators had named Joe as a possible suspect in Sue's murder. And evidence cited showing that he had blamed Sue for the disciplinary action against him years earlier. He had vandalized her car. All of this is allegedly vowed to get revenge against her and accused her of being a snitch in the credit card investigation. Hmm. So all these fucking things. But since then... There has been no further action in Sue's case. Oh. Yeah. It's fucking cold still. And still open. Sue's mother, Marlene, is tenacious as fuck, just like her daughter. And she's never backed down in the fight. She's like up at front and center fighting for her daughter's uh, justice. And she says she definitely thinks somebody set her daughter up and thinks that the anonymous call the night of her murder was from someone her daughter trusted who lured her from the airport to kill her. And since Sue's murder... Marlene, uh, every single year on the anniversary of Sue's murder, Marlene holds a vigil at Logan Airport. And you see her, she's carrying a sign with Sue's photo on it, reminding people of, that this woman who worked here and was last seen here uh, was murdered and advertising a $250,000 reward for information leading to the killer's arrest. Wow. And I watched a video about it and she says, quote, I'm very, she says, I'm very, I'm a very healthy woman. She's getting older. She says, I'm a very healthy woman and I'm not going away. You're going to look over your shoulder until the day that I go, but I will get you and I will get justice for my Susan. And then, so here's a footnote if you want to cry. Um, remember Sue had wanted to be a cartoonist mm-hmm. and had been a huge fan of Charles, Charles Schultz. 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 
He drew a Snoopy, especially for her, that adorns her gravestone. No. He drew it for her to get on her gravestone. Oh, my God. So if you look it up, you can see it because she was such a huge fan of his. I know. That's awful. Sorry. I'm no, glad. I mean, but that's that. I mean, like, I just it was on an unsolved it. murder, unsolved mysteries because they people want information still to this day. It's still fucking unsolved. It's one of those ones in the back of my mind that every, you know, for the past three years that we've done this, I've always thought of it like, I need to do that one someday. So it's not okay. And that's, it's kind of nice that we have this podcast where we can like call attention to these insane cases like the one we did last week of Colin Pitchfork where it's like how is this person spending less time in jail than the person's life who he killed you know he yeah. killed a 15 year old and he's getting less than that time that she was alive in jail so yeah. it's nice to be able to call attention to these fucking insane cases where the suspects are still alive there's still time to fucking prosecute them there's got to be more info on them there's got to be people now willing to talk it's a it's a new fucking, it's a different era. And so that video of the mom with the sign and talking about the reward, that's still current. Uh, yeah, as of the past like year or two, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So that's the murder of Sue uh, Taraskowitz. Wow. Yeah. I got this story from friend of the podcast, tri- true crime reporter Billy Jensen. Fuck yeah. And he reminded me of it. And then I remembered, and also, uh, we talk about Wikipedia a lot on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Please don't forget about Murderpedia. Oh, my Be- God. Because Murderpedia is more dedicated, and they also need money, five, sure. one, five, and ten dollars at a time. Please support Murderpedia. <laughs> I, I feel like I use them just as much. I use them a lot. And they do that thing where it'll just be like seven articles, it's just articles in a row. Yeah. I love it. There's not a ton of like this 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 fact it's just article after article articles and cr- chronological timelines yeah. which helped me a lot yes so anyway i looked this up on murderpedia to get the details and one of the first thing it things it listed on there was that this case was featured on the e-series curse of the lottery and what? then i remembered that's a thing seeing it holy shit and with your own eyeballs with my eyeballs and then i was like oh this is such a sad fucked up <gasps> story I gotta tell George. I didn't, I didn't know that was a show, and I don't know the story, and I'm here for it. Okay, thank you. Your presence is required. It is basically the whole point of this podcast. It's the podcast. That we talk to each other. <laughs> you have to pay attention to me. <laughs> yeah, this, uh, I think this show, E Curse of the Lottery, is from a little while ago. I bet. But, um, the story is crazy. So, so basically, on November 15th, 2006, mm-hmm. 41-year-old Abraham Shakespeare was a food delivery driver, like a truck driver. So I think it was more like g- for the oh, grocery yeah, store okay. type of food. Yeah. Um, he was making $8 an hour Jesus. and he had $5 in his wallet. Oh, my God. Um, he and his co-worker, Michael Ford, were headed toward Miami. They stopped at a Townstar convenience store in Frost proof florida sure where we all go for vacate for summer for summer after we go to the fox glove a a fox glove casino we then we head down to florida to to frost proof to frost proof and we get some popsicles that don't have ice on them um (laughs) so the two truck there the um they stop the truck they go into the town star convenience to buy drinks and cigarettes sure and when michael ford gets out of the truck i said they get out but Ford gets out and he asks Shakespeare if he wants a soda. And Shakespeare says, and don't buy me that. Get me two lottery tickets. Hell and yeah. hands him that last $5 <gasps> out of his wallet. Um, so uh, 
I just am picturing him saying it in like a Shakespeare soliloquy. <laughs> Forsooth. Or something like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, luck of, the luck of the something, you know. <laughs> That's all I got. The luck of the really wide pants. Right. Um, so that week, the Florida lotto jackpot was $30 million. <sighs> and Abraham Shakespeare fucking won it. All of it? He won $30 million. Oh, th- you said 300 No, I said 30 I heard 300 Did I say penis no, 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 or no, no, did no. I say 30 <laughs> uh, Holy shit. He fucking wins in Frost Cove, Florida. Can you imagine? $30 million. You know Vince and I play regularly? Regularly. <laughs> regularly. You, gotta, you can't win if you don't play. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's almost yeah. like they should use that as their quote. It's almost like uh, we play regularly. My mom has played every week since I was a kid. My whole family plays. Same My sister- numbers every time? Mm, yes, because there's, well, she does a couple different systems. Okay. But she's always got them stuck on her refrigerator. And it's like, there's one where it's everybody's birthday. My number. mom does that. It's yes. kind of sweet. She'll it do is. like this number, this number, the year, da, 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 and all three of your birthdays. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because also it's going to be so sweet if that pays off. Yeah. That one time where it's like, <gasps> um, so yes, yes, I think that's. I mean, that's the fun of the lottery. Yeah. Now, the other way to look at it, which is my favorite Craig Anton joke, is um, the lottery is like a tax for stupid people. <laughs> <laughs> but it does go actually in, a, in California. I don't know. It goes to, to fixing the roads. Yeah. Schools, I meant. <laughs> <laughs> fixing the road on the way to school. The, that school road the that's school so road. bumpy. You know, that the kids all learn on. Right. <laughs> to drive. They learn math on. Okay. So he now he's a lottery winner. Okay. Everybody thinks that that's the dream come true. Yeah. But as we learn in e, the E-series, The Curse of the Lottery, mm-hmm. it's rarely fucking true. See, this thick fucking HGTV show where this fucking dude <laughs> takes these new lotto winners to their new home, like shows them homes to buy. I'm not explaining Is this, this well. real? I swear to God. Stephen, will you look up at the fucking... There's a new show called, like, You Won the Lottery, Now Here's Your New Mansion? Yeah. Buy a mansion with all that fucking lottery winnings, it's called. <sighs> how aspirational and satisfying would it be to watch that show? It's great. This is... This... This... <laughs> yep. My Lottery Dream Home. Look at this guy. Say the name of the host. He's fabulous. Oh, my gosh. He uh, should be one of the... Is that jacket made of gold? Uh, it probably is. <laughs> He, he looks like one. He should be one of the um, Fab Five of uh, Queer, Queer Eye. Eye. Queer Eye, yeah. David Bromstad. Love you, David. And so he's just like, this staircase leads to another safe. He's fabulous. Wow. But every house is in Las Vegas. Probably. Aww. And it's like, they won, and it's a number that you couldn't buy a house for in LA. <laughs> you know? You're like, All still oh. too low. Okay, um, sorry. No, no. Uh, oh, because, see, that's the thing, is that everybody's like, there's been a couple series I think about winning the lottery because then there's some people who they do fine with it. There are probably people who have a little bit of experience with money or at least yeah. have learned some the lessons. The smart people, you can be anonymous too. Exactly. But when you don't have anything your whole life and then suddenly you get $30 million, it's very, right? It's very easy to mismanage yourself. Yes. And to, uh, like I did the first time I had a large sum of money paid to me when I first moved to Los Angeles. I got a holding deal. Your first entertainment industry job that was like stupid money jobs. To me, it was stupid money. Now it was zero money. Wow. But I was like, the rent's on me, everybody. Let's (laughs) do this thing. Cartons of cigarettes for all my friends (laughs) and fake cigarettes for my other friends. (laughs) So, (laughs) okay. For your fake friends. So... Abraham Shakespeare, the thing about him is he's a really good person. Great. So he, uh, he immediately is like, 
a party at my house. He buys a new house. Okay, so he does the thing. He has the choice between the one-time lump sum cash payment of mm-hmm. $17 million. Take that. Or 30 annual payments of thir- of $30 million. So a take million that, dollars a year. Take that one. <laughs> Two or one. Oh, I would pick, let's see, he, he clearly fucks up. So I'm going to say what I would pick. I would do the lump sum. Yep, that's exactly right. Okay. Yes, he does it. Now that I... Uh, now that we've named our podcast network that, I hear myself saying it. Co- I it's didn't realize constantly. I say it that much. We do. Um, okay. So he goes lump sum, 17 mil. And then here's what he buys. He moves out of his working class neighborhood in Lakeland, Florida. Yeah, you do. And he buys a $1.1 million house in a gated community in North Lakeland. See, a Florida $1.1 million, and there's the, the income tax thing they yeah. don't have, which is why all these professional wrestlers live there. Is that right? Yeah. That's an insane amount of money for a house there, right? I'm sure. I yes. 1.1. 1. 1 yeah. For, for sure. Um, the only other things he buys are a Rolex from a pawn shop and a <laughs> Nissan Altima. Oh my God. I love him. And then he starts lending his friends. He pays for everything. He has people at his house. He lets people stay at his house. He lends money hand over fist. He pays for people's funerals. He, he, there's one guy just that owed him. Like people are dying around him and he's just like, I got this. <laughs> I got this, you guys. Yeah. It's not a round of drinks at a bar. No. Holy um, shit. There's one guy you were going to say, but, but uh, one guy owed him a million dollars. What? Like he lent somebody a million dollars. Yeah. So it was the kind of thing where I'm sure he had a lot of guilt about winning yeah. or like having that money. That, or didn't want to become a monster. Yeah. Sony so he cut off. it. Right. So he, he has this house where basically it's a nonstop party and there's these people all, all over the place. Well, and after a while, of course, he starts set, confiding to like his close friends and family members that he is miserable. He was happier before, before he won the lottery and that he just wants to get get away um yeah so basically april of 2000 of 2007 it's like a year later yeah well yeah it's it it happened at the end of uh 2006 november holy so it's like yeah it's basically five months a lot of money to spend in a very short amount of time yes um he in four months later michael ford the guy that was with him the day he Uh bought that winning lottery ticket (gasps) tells him he wants at least a million dollars but of course, Abraham Shakespeare's like, yeah, no, I'm not giving you a million dollars because you were there. And he goes, fine, I'll sue you. And he takes him to court claiming that Abraham actually stole those two tickets <gasps> out of Ford's wallet and that they were his tickets no. that were stolen. Yeah. So on o- October 19th, 2007, they go to court. No. And it takes the jury a, a little over an hour to rule that uh, Abraham Shakespeare did not steal that winning yeah. ticket and that he doesn't owe Michael Ford any money. Sure. But the money at this point is starting to run out, as it will. Paying for funerals. It tends lending to do money, that. All that stuff. Yeah. It goes. You spend it and it's gone. Mm. Um. Oh, the guy that he's he uh, gave a million dollars to was uh, known only as Big Man. <laughs> There's no I, actual. When name. I meet a guy named Big Man, I just want to give him money. You're like, buddy, I want to bankroll you yeah. as a human being. Okay, so in October of 2008, a 40 year old woman named Dee Dee Moore reaches out to Abraham Shakespeare. Now, Abraham Shakespeare is basically like locked himself in his mansion. Oh. He there like he's had to kick out all these people. Sure. His generosity's got, gotten him nothing but more problems. Uh-huh. Well, then this woman named Dee Dee Moore shows up, says that she's writing a book about how people have been taking advantage of him mm. as a lottery winner. So he starts telling him his story. Uh-huh. 
And she must have been an amazing psychopath <laughs> because within she she convinces him to let her be his financial advisor. No. And within three months, she uh, the ownership of Abraham Shakespeare's home had been transferred <gasps> to a company called American Metal Pro- Medical Professionals. Fake. Right. And that turns out that's Dee Dee Moore's company. Shit. So she basically convinces him that he won't have to pay taxes if he puts his money into an LLC and it's called Abraham Shakespeare LLC. So it's like, it's basically she starts a corporation for him. Okay. But it's under her name. Well, no, it's, it, it'd be in the beginning, it's under his name. Uh-huh. She says, put your money here. You won't have to pay taxes. You won't have to pay child support. Uh-oh. You won't have to do, she's basically, everyone uh, don't try to get out of paying child support, please. Or taxes. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I meant, oh, I meant, <laughs> I meant taxes or child. Well, you're pro, you're Fuck the government. Sorry. Yeah. You're, <laughs> You're about kids first. Uh, but all of the, it's like, especially when you're up in this amount of money, they're paying attention to every dime totally, that you spend. Totally. And eventually she moves into his house. The, the The title of his house is signed over to her. Nope. So yeah. So we're having a problem. Well, it's not signed over to her though. It's signed over right, to right. American medical professionals. Mm, they're professionals. Doctors everywhere. <laughs> um, Okay, so Abraham Shakespeare is last seen in the Lakeland area in April of 2009. And later the police find that he last used his cell phone on April 6, 2009. Um, Shit. But even though no one knows where he is and he disappeared and he's not at home, his family's getting texts from him saying that he's just laying low, don't worry about me. (sighs) Well, they think that's weird because Abraham never learned to read or write. He dropped out of school like in junior high. And so they're like, uh, maybe he's getting someone to do it. Like, they're just like, Like what? he had never texted before. So then suddenly they're like. Yeah, they're they're just kind of like, something's off because he just is gone. I was um, thinking about how you should go out more because if people get, if someone kills you and starts writing, hey, I'm just going to stay home tonight, text to people, they'll believe it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they won't Th- be like. Thanks for laying that out in black sorry, and white. Sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> no, I've actually made that joke before that. <laughs> In every true crime show, they go, I knew something was wrong because that she, that night she didn't call me back. I can tell like, she was home and she didn't answer the door. It's Everyone so like, unlike her where I'm like, oh, my God, I can just picture my dad going. Yeah, I simply don't hear from her for weeks at a time. I text her. She doesn't respond. I'm super funny. But she won't say anything to me. She can't explain her whereabouts. <laughs> So we didn't know anything was amiss. <laughs> and I'm laying in a ditch like, God damn it. If I, I was sh- only I more polite. More. And con- I should have been an extrovert. Why am I a hermit? <laughs> I deserve what I'm getting. Okay, so that November, Abraham's cousin files a missing persons report because he's like, okay, it's been long enough. He would have either come back, connected, made an actual phone call sure. or whatever. Um, he explained to the police they were hoping that he had gone to the Caribbean um, because he had been saying he wa- he wanted to do that basically since he won the money. Yeah, he was like, fuck, he wanted to fuck off. Yeah. yeah. And because they were getting those texts, it was almost that thing of like, well, this is weird. But at the same time, at least we're hearing from him. Yeah. So best yeah. case scenario. But then the, his cousin said they were just like, no, Some, something's wrong. Right. Yeah, yeah. So on November 12th, 2009, detectives go interview Dee Dee Moore because they find that She's right in the center of all of his business. Mm-mm. She's everything signed over to her. She's living in his house. They're like, all right, we're going to have a chat with you. She explains to them that she started the corporate account for him um, and that she was paying him in cash. 
out of that account, basically, because she was better at business and she was, you know, going to be the one. She was this financial manager. Look, I have a company that has the name professional in it. Right? That's how you can tell. <laughs> it's me, the one who should be in charge of your money right, because right. of the name of a thing sure. I made up. Um, she denies having anything to do with his disappearance, um, but she explains she took over his assets which at the time were like $3.5 million plus the mansion, plus all the money people owed him, which uh. counted because she, it was their plan of getting people away from him, uh, asking him for money. Right. He's like, I don't even have control over it. Yeah. She's old. I put Dee, Dee in charge. I yeah. met her three months ago. Um, she also claimed that she, she set things up the way she did because Shakespeare didn't want to pay child support <gasps> and because he had a drug problem and he would just use the money for drugs. So that's why she took all of his stuff and didn't pay him. There's no, all the money goes into her, that account uh-huh. and then doesn't go back out. Yeah, yeah. She takes his, she sets up Abraham Shakespeare LLC and then takes his name off and she, it's her account now. Fuck. So it's that. And then when the cops are like, so anyway, let's walk this in. And then she's like, yeah, no, he wanted, that's what he wanted. Yeah. He, he wanted he me to have everything. That leopard print couch I bought. <laughs> That's over there. He supported me in all of my choices. Mm. So this is where, around this time, is where our friends over at Web Sleuths come <gasps> into the mix. You guys? And this is no. this is the Billy Jensen element because the, he's he's all about that. With all the twists and turns. I forgot about Billy even. <laughs> oh, my God. So on the Web Sleuths board... Somebody posts a news article about a missing Florida man who w- named Abraham Shakespeare, who had won $30 million in the lottery, blew through most of the money, and now had disappeared. So the citizen detectives, mm. of course, dig in. Mm-hmm. And they see that he's hired Dee Dee Moore as the financial advisor. So then they start going into her financial and property records mm. and posting them on the site. <gasps> um Noting that her bank account reflects that she has come into a lot of money recently. How do you find that? This is it's that shit they do that they're so good at. Oh, they. Like this is their jam. I hope they only use their powers for good and not evil. Just want to put that out there. Um. Yeah. Please. Let's everybody stay above board. Stay off the dark web. There's come on. Nothing good that can come out of it. Please. You don't need to buy yeah. that arm. You don't need more photos of feet. <laughs> You can get those anywhere. Go to uh, wikifeet.com. <laughs> so great. Google my name in there. Okay, so February 21st, 2009, they find Dee Dee Moore has bought a 2008 uh, Corvette uh-huh. um, for her boyfriend for $70,000. Jesus. She paid with a cashier's check from her American medical professional's <sighs> business account. It's a, a month- write-off. Yeah, right. A month later. <laughs> It's a tax break. A month later, she buys a 2009 Hummer for 90 grand. Holy Hummer's more than a Corvette? Yeah, girl. I yeah. don't know anything about 20 cars. grand more. Once you get over two grand, that's the most I've ever <laughs> paid for a car. Like <laughs> at once is $1,600. I think because Hummers are like, you can shoot an AK-47 into the side of oh, them and be fine. They're talking to end daysers who are like, <laughs> yeah, we need it, to keep safe. Mad Max shit. Yeah, yeah. Whereas in a Corvette, you're like, oh, the sunroof's off. I've been killed. <laughs> okay. So, this is amazing. So, and so and she buys a house. There's, it's all the stuff and they're just like, well, this is interesting because here she is and here's all her shit. Uh-huh. And his money's gone. So, once all these posts start going up, somebody logs onto Web Sleuths Mm-mm. and begins to defend Dee Dee Moore. Ugh. Offering up 
even more incriminating evidence against her as they're trying to defend her. No. So, of course, our citizen detectives track the IP address of, of the defender do. down. And lo and behold, it's Dee Dee Moore. It's so stupid what people think that people can't get away. Like, you can't get away with this shit, dude. No. Don't fucking try. Don't try. It's so dumb. And also, it's that thing of... Which I think, especially in the internet age, we find more and more is people, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. So you're going on to websites like, I got this. I changed my IP address. (laughs) Well, they can see who bought that IP address and it still leads back to you. Didi, unless you work at MIT in the computer lab, I I wouldn't go up against the websites. Let's not. Let's not. Okay. So the citizen detectives send all of this to the police, obviously. A couple days after Christmas of this year. This year? No, sorry, of that year. Great. (laughs) (laughs) Big difference. Of this year, I was talking about 10 minutes ago. Remember when you told the whole story, that current story? Yes, that that was 12 years old. (laughs) I'll never forget it. The bags of leaves in the living room. I was like, yeah, we were both in the city, but I'm the one that found this brand new breaking story. They're like, Karen, we hate to inform you. (laughs) You fucking idiot. Okay. A couple days after Christmas... 2009. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Dee Moore takes Abraham Shakespeare's mother, Elizabeth Walker, out to eat. <gasps> this is fuck devious shit. His mommy? Yes, his mommy. And during the meal, she receives a phone call from someone. No. Who says, it's me, Abraham Shakespeare, just calling to say I'm fine. So then she's like, <gasps> oh, he called me. Everything's okay. The next day, the detectives... Uh, interview Abraham Shakespeare's friend Gregory Smith, who it turned out was already an informant. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, he had a record and he was already kind of there. Yeah. And, yeah. and he, um, they basically get out of him that he was paid by Dee Dee Moore mm. to impersonate no. Abraham and call his mother oh. to say he's fine. So, since he's already an informant, they're like, all right, you did that. You won't you won't get in trouble sure. if you now yeah. wear a wire yeah. and we need to get this woman and we need to get some good information from her. Totally. And he's like, I want to help. He was my friend. He loaned. He loaned. Was this guy a big man? Gregory Smith. He wasn't big man, but he did loan him 60 grand. Holy shit. So he said, like, I'd been a part of it, but I realized I needed to do the yeah. right thing and help. Yeah. So, um, so basically... They say you need to get close to her and get good information. And thank God they did. Because a month later, uh, Dee Dee Moore asks Gregory Smith if he knows anyone who'd admit to law enforcement they were responsible for killing Abraham Shakespeare um, for money. And Gregory Smith's like, yeah, I do. Let me get back to you with some (laughs) names. Hundreds and hundreds of people. Hundreds and thousands of people. Hundreds and thousands. Because she was like, is there somebody that's like a prisoner that'll just do this? Right. I'll take the fall. I'll pay. I'll give their family money. Yeah. You know, free and clear. Right. So on January 21st, 2010, an officer named Mike Smith um, goes undercover Ooh. as a guy who will admit to the murder for money. Fun. AKA the dumbest man in the world. <laughs> not the actual officer. That's someone who would do that. Exactly. <laughs> You're not calling Mike. I'm not calling officer Mike Smith of the Lake Wales, Florida Police Department, <laughs> the dumbest man in the world. No, no. Never would I do that. You're calling someone who would, whatever. Yes. We get it. Do we get it? Don't we? So, <laughs> so Dee Dee agrees to pay him 50 grand to uh, confess to law enforcement that he is responsible. <sighs> um, and Mike Smith, undercover, tells Dee Dee, I'll do this if you just tell me where you put his body. Yeah. 
at that moment that she didn't go, huh? Yeah. Why do you need to know that as a prisoner? I wonder. Well, it's that. It's the. Um. It's the cocky confidence of I'll never get caught, so yes. I never. I'm never suspicious. Yeah. Because I'm so fucking cocky. I'm masterminding this because yeah. I'm a true psychopath. I'm not going to get caught for this shit. I'm a mastermind. I'm the smartest person on the planet. Look. So, January 25th, Dee Dee meets back up with Gregory Smith, um, who's working with undercover cop Mike Smith. Mm-hmm. And um, she shows him the concrete slab in the backyard of her ex-boyfriend's house mm. and she says he's buried underneath there oh shit uh-huh. um she also gives gregory smith the 38 smith and wesson <gasps> which she used to kill him she did it yeah oh, i guess spoiler alert <laughs> um so immediately the cops go to that location they excavate that concrete slab and uh they find underneath they find abraham mm. shakespeare the body of abraham shakespeare is buried underneath his concrete slab he's been shot twice fucking concrete slabs man it's such a dumb idea so what happens is they get her uh Didi moore's ex-boyfriend yeah um they interview him and he says that Didi called him during the first two weeks of april asking to uh dig a hole in the yard as you do as one would because she needs to bury concrete and trash in it. Uh huh. He digs the hole and he leaves. She oh, calls he had him. No idea. He had no idea. Gonna be a body in she, it. <laughs> she calls him back two hours later to fill the hole back in, and he tells police because it was nighttime. He didn't see what was in it, so he just filled it in and walked away. At the end. Sounds about right. Yeah. Sounds on the level. So, uh, on February second, twenty ten, Dee Dee Moore is arrested, and the judge sets her bond at a million dollars, and then. She's charged with first degree murder. Um, she pleads not guilty. And December 10th, uh, 2012 is when the trial starts. And at the beginning of the trial, the judge, Emmett Battles. Oh <laughs> so my classic. God. Amazing. Can you see him? In his, he looked, to me, he looks like Colonel Sanders. To me, he's a Civil War reenactor. Yes. For sure. So we got mutton chops. Uh huh. On all sides of the head. Uh, during the week, it's like, it's like having a, um, a mullet. It's like, and you're in a business suit. Yeah. But you have mutton chops and you're, a, I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> it's just something. You were seeing a vision in your head of Emmett yeah. Battles and yeah, you, were, yeah. you were talking through it. I like it. The, he tells the jury, you can convict her on a lesser charge. Don't um, do it. Don't do it. So, so they, they start the trial. Dee Dee's attorney tells the jury that... Um, she was just trying to help protect Abraham Shakespeare and his assets okay. from a pending child support case mm. um, when, in the middle of all that, he was killed by drug dealers who no one's looking for because they're attacking her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, detectives had found CCTV footage of her buying plastic sheeting and duct tape. I don't care what you're actually doing that's on the level. Don't ever buy that shit. No. <laughs> you know? Leave your duffel bags at home. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like all of it duck it, you body, certainly body, can't yeah. do it in combination no do, zip ties duct tape don't don't you know we have zip ties all over the house and it's making me really uncomfortable <laughs> because we use them for the live show banner oh i'm probably gonna have to call the cops oh, i wish you would i don't know why anyone hasn't yet <laughs> quickly okay so mm-hmm. that's a bunch of bullshit everyone knows it immediately then they're just like here's her doing all this crazy shit and also here's a detailed record of the finances yeah. and where it went and how it went there and are you stupid and thanks web sleuths 
And thanks, web sleuths. At one point, this is just a side fun fact. At one point, Dee Dee Moore is briefly banned from the courtroom mm. over concerns that she may have threatened jurors. Oh, dear. Dee Dee. Dee Dee, don't double down at this point, please. <laughs> She didn't give a shit. Uh-uh. Um, but she came back a short time later for closing. She's like, sorry, sorry, sorry. Guys, I, t- I won't kill your I family. Pinky swear. Um, the jury deliberates for three hours before Dee Dee Moore is found guilty of first degree murder. She's sentenced to mandatory mandatory life without parole. Yes. that That's that verdict you're always looking for. Uh-huh. And following the verdict, the judge calls Dee Dee, quote, the most manipulative person he's ever seen. Mm. And he describes her as, quote, cold, calculating, and cruel. Wow. Uh, that is the story Whoa. of the murder of Abraham Shakespeare. And watch that curse of the lottery because it's really it actually goes into much more about how giving and kind he was and how except for to his kids for child support well we don't know do we (laughs) we don't know the details of it because actually five thousand dollars was paid to abraham's ex-wife in the name of his child okay so we don't we don't know we don't i'm not judging you're about to spill coffee on steven's let's not take what Didi tried to say (laughs) I actually that's, also just love yeah. the name Dee Dee as a as a villain from Florida. Well, it's fucking Dee Dee Blanchard too. That's right. Dee Dee's our bad news, which is one of Dottie's uh, nicknames. nicknames. Yeah, she's a good girl. She does her best. She does <laughs> tries very hard. Twists and turns, right? That goes to show you. Take the month, take the yearly payout. Take that yearly payout and make your own corporation Mm -hmm. disappear. I love also the idea of just naming your corporation like Karen Kilgariff LLC. (laughs) Just like you can make up anything. Yeah. Or like just put the word professional in it. Just how about professional? Professional professionals. Inc. Oh, that's good. Why don't we name our podcast network professional professionals? We'll uh, we'll call some people. We'll change it. Shit, man. Twists and turns. Right? That's a good one. What's your fucking hooray? For Hun- this week. Hundreds and thousands. <laughs> <laughs> Australian cookies of all kinds. Uh, let me think. Actually, hmm. let me think. You have one? Yeah, you want me to do mine? I would love you to do yours. <laughs> well, I have two, but they're both the media ones that we like. First of all, um, my friend told me to listen to a podcast it's from Wondery, and it's called Gladiator. Oh, and it's I'm a, listening to that. Are you listening to it? I am. Is it because I told you to? No. God damn it. <laughs> um, it is, uh, it's called Gladiator, and it's about Aaron Hernandez, who was one of the New England Patriots, and he ended up going to jail for murder. Uh, well, just listen to it, because I was just yeah, going to yeah. spoil the hell out of it, but... It's a really, really beautifully done podcast um, at Wondery by a team of people. And here's the thing, and I maybe newspapers are onto this already, but if they're not, please tell them. Um, this is the way that newspapers can come back because like all those, like from the Australian, that's the right. Teacher's Pet series. That's right. Now you've got this one that's out of um, the Boston Globe. There's the Bear Brook podcast that I love. That's, uh, is, is from a newspaper too. Is it? Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, this one is the Boston Globe, the Spotlight Department, which is the one that did the big expose on the molesting priests. Oh, I the listened to, uh, there's a podcast about that. No, nope. That's something different. Never okay. <laughs> so, so basically it's a, sp- it's the Spotlight Department where it's the investigative department, but now they're fucking making podcasts. So Can they we take- get Skip Hollinsworth on this fucking beat, man? <laughs> or Skip Hollinsworth from Texas Monthly? Maybe. But I, my thing is that kind of investigative journalism, it transfers directly to podcasting totally that's it's beautiful and the person that hosted i'm sorry i don't know his name offhand but he is a reporter from the boston globe yeah. that is basically hosting his own um research so and good. it's a beautifully done thing there's a whole team of people it's great listen there are think pieces everywhere right and then the other one is just it was recommended to me on twitter um, about two weeks ago, it's a Netflix series called Dairy Girls. Oh, yeah. And it's about a group of high school girls in Belfast in the 90s. And it's fucking hilarious and beautifully done. And I love it so much. And please watch it if you're in the mood for something fun. Okay. I'm going to do it. Do it. Um, let's see. Oh, so you know how I told you back when we recorded in December about the hashtag that I had gotten from Jen Gotch that I stole her idea of showing your meds in your hand. Yeah. And then hashtag it. Someone suggested my favorite meds. And I was like, this is great. And then people started. That's stolen, actually. <laughs> from us? You're like, no, you're taking Jen Gotch's thing. And like, now it's my thing. Well, my favorite I- meds. <laughs> she <laughs> she put the meds in. And I was like, that's a great idea. And I did it. And I said, I got it from her. And then let's hashtag it and show our fucking meds off. And so people have been doing that. And I've been reading all these beautiful like stories of becoming you know, realizing you need help and all this stuff. And it made me realize that my meds aren't working the way like reading all these people, like their accounts of how much it's helped them make, yeah. made me realize my shit's not helping me. Yeah. So I went back to my psychiatrist and I'm changing medications. It's going to take months. It's like a fucking long process. Um, but I'm doing that. And it's it's so funny that I was like, the, I copied Jen and was like, this is a thing. And then I'm like, oh, I like I got something out of it, too. Yeah, and that's a big thing it. to get out of it. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. Everyone was like, my life has changed. I do this. I do that. And I'm like, I still feel pretty fucking shitty. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought it was just like, I, that's what I get. And it's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also, I think so much has been going on in your life. Yeah. That this it's normal to feel stressed. It's normal to feel scared. It's normal to be overwhelmed. Right. Um, that then you can't there you don't you're you don't have a normal um right. stasis or whatever they would call that anymore yeah and how can the, you tell the thing of like well my my baseline of everything is fine is not other people's baselines of everything is good so it's like yes you're doing much better and you, f- you feel better than you wouldn't if you wouldn't be on meds but that doesn't mean that that's where you need to settle yes you know it's good like you point. can you can strive for more than that so i'm striving for zoloft to make <laughs> better than effects are that's awesome so, yeah are you going to get the zaps if you go off of XR? That's why it's taking a very long time to do it. Because you have to slowly. So yeah. slowly. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good, though. Yeah. Great. Fuck it. Great. And also great that that something like that, uh, we you don't have to feel weird about oh any of this God. shit anymore. Never. There's no, there's no need. It's so funny that you don't... I didn't realize how many people were ashamed of it or didn't talk about it or it's like so natural to me yes. that I didn't even think to talk about it. Right. Because it's normal. Yeah, because who cares? Who gives a shit? Make fucking strive for your best. 
And also, I remember one time saying something out loud about my therapist at it at my dad's house, and my cousin who was there was like, "What?" And he, it, the reaction he had was so weird. And instead of like being offended or ashamed mm-hmm. or anything, I just remember sitting there going, "Oh no, you poor thing." Well, like it's not 1945. No, like you don't. Uh, as scary as the idea of it might be to yeah. you, don't negate people or totally. like don't try to make people feel bad who are trying to make themselves feel better shaming you i i just in the beginning felt weird about being like oh well mine and vince's therapist because it it, to you know in the beginning it was like oh i'm telling people that we have a bad relationship which is the opposite we're going so that we have a better relationship right and starting from a good point instead of starting from the fucking bottom everybody has to learn how to communicate yeah that's just how it is oh my god we've it's looking back at how we communicated which was just to not make the other person feel bad. So we never said what we wanted because we just don't want to hurt each other. Ew. It just, yeah, it didn't work. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's horrible. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, when I, when I, now I don't give a shit. I say it all the time. Like our therapist just yes. to normalize it. Well, and also I think those, the standards by which people judge things are so stupid. Like what people post on Facebook about their family, which is like, yeah, that there's no bigger red flag than when people are consistently like, we're having the best and we love each and where it's like why why are you doing that where it's like it doesn't that doesn't make it happen we know your baby just had an explosive diarrhea out of its diaper (laughs) that's the fucking reality the reality is uh, uh, half the time you hate the person that you're married to oh no (laughs) sorry i mean like the reality is life is hard yeah you fuck up they fuck up and then you fix it it's all about fixing it and moving on and getting stronger because of the fix totally Totally. I didn't make that up. That's why That's, you and I go to therapy together. <laughs> exactly. No, seriously, because we, we, as much as we get along, we are absolutely opposite people. Mm-hmm. And we Our therapist says we are the perfect triggers for each other. Yeah. We absolutely are. Yeah. And there are things that like, if we didn't have a person, it's not even like learning to go like, you need to be nice or you need yeah. to do this. It's like the bigger lesson of your intent is not the same thing right. as the impact you what you do has. And that lesson is humongous. And like, your reaction is coming from a place of fight or flight, not from conversation or from working shit out because it, or the present. Because it's triggering. Yes. If you're triggered, you're in a, you're in like 20 years ago. Totally. You're doing a totally different thing. And you need help. We all need help with yeah. relationships. Yeah. Yeah. They're fucking hard, man. I mean, <laughs> i'm the expert because i'm divorced <laughs> so please listen to everything i said did you guys go to therapy ever together i can't talk about it great she signed the non-disclosure agreement she got child's five thousand dollars in child support and um, peace the fuck out of and it. he's buried in my backyard <laughs> stop it i always wonder what that concrete slab was no that's decorative you told me you were putting your trash in there and it came over one night and filled it with concrete this is this is my concrete slab that i have concrete buried underneath i couldn't see anything (laughs) yeah because it was i only invite people over in the dark damn it i feel bad listen i understand (laughs) we'll talk about in therapy So I feel really um, angry at Georgia because she feels sad. Um, Bury a body. (laughs) And I just feel like it's triggering. But was it a body or was it concrete? I'll never know. Dump your concrete under this concrete slab is what Dee Dee tried to tell (laughs) Honey, please. This is where I dump my concrete. (laughs) (laughs) Lady. Uh, 
Thanks for listening. Thanks to Stephen Ray Morris for so many edits at fucking 11 o'clock at night, the night before we're posting. Stephen. Thank you. Stephen, do you know we love you? We love you, Stephen. I think we need to start thanking Stephen. Because people do that at the end of podcasts. This has been edited by so-and-so and and brought to you by blah, blah, blah. And music by Karen Kilgariff. Okay, do it, do it. I just did it. (laughs) (laughs) Music by Karen Kilgariff. Special thanks to Stephen Ray Morris for the fucking editing and shit. For for the amount of editing that doesn't even make sense or like... Googling. Please put that back together, and we've just had to do some fixes. Look, listen, uh, stay sexy and don't get murdered. Goodbye, Goodbye. Elvis. You want a cookie? Ah. <laughs> that was great.